I will say that is a good song. It's a little bit new for us. I'll also say I love the parts too, hearing the having some folks sing the different parts. I love that. That's a blessing. And prayerfully we could get maybe some other folks will will do that too. I don't know how many there were, but it sounded like it was more than just the two of you or was it? I was hiding. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I can tell there was at least a couple. That's good. I love it. Uh, it's good. And I and you know, as we you know, maybe learn some of those things, it just helps fill up the music. It just helps complete the song. So that's a blessing. I like it. All right. A couple of announcements. First off, happy fourth of July, Tuesday, big day, Independence Day, celebrating our nation. So don't uh, don't forget, I'm sure you won't. If you do, by the evening, you'll probably hear the reminders, the, the fireworks going off. Uh, but uh, we actually, depending on the weather, we probably won't see them this year because of the weather. But uh, usually we can see fireworks from our backyard in like Waterville, Winslow, oh, wow. Scowhegan, wow. Augusta. Like We're all coming to your house. <laughs> one year. So upstairs <laughs> in Elizabeth's room, she has set a couple windows to kind of give you a good range. One year we counted, I think, nine or ten different sets of fireworks we could see from her from her room. Now, I mean, you don't enjoy them like when you're there, but your ears appreciate it, you know, because you can see from the distance. So that's kind of neat, but you got to have good weather. So without the good weather, you miss it. But uh, So that's fun. So happy 4th of July. Pray about, uh, continue praying about our building project, uh, you know, just that we would have some things start moving. Pray about Jehovah Jireh. Submitted another uh, application to them for their support, their help. Uh, so just be praying about that, that God, if, should he see fit, uses them. If he doesn't, doesn't mean it ain't going to happen. Doesn't mean he's not going to provide. Doesn't mean we don't get a building. God will take care of it. So just uh, trust and rest in that. Uh, this, not this Monday, but the Monday after is ladies meeting. So that's the 10th. At ten, uh, 6 p.m. I'm gonna say 10 p.m. So the 10th at 6 p.m. There we go. Uh, so that'll be on the 10th, Monday night. Mini golf, Sunday, July 23rd. You probably heard me announce it last week. Maybe you didn't, but uh, so a few weeks from now, on Sunday the 23rd, after our potluck, we are gonna take everyone who wants to to Bangor to the Fielder's Choice Mini Golf Course and homemade ice cream they make theirs. It's my favorite ice cream in the world, best I've ever had. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not better out there, it's just the best I've personally ever had. Uh, and I think I've only ever had one flavor, so they could have other ones that are terrible, I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm traditional, I'm old fashioned. When I find what I like, I stick with it, because anything else, I know, I'm gonna be disappointed. <laughs> We, I decided I liked her at 14 years old. We've been together ever since. So, so a couple of years, but the date broke, don't fix it. Right, and not that I'm advocating for 14-year-old relationships. <laughs> just to be clear, just to be clear. <laughs> oh boy, sometimes I gotta wait a minute. Let's make sure what I said is what everybody heard. You know. Uh, so anyway, that'll be a good time. We'll do mini golf. Have some ice cream for everybody who wants to, and then we'll have a devotion somewhere outside there. They got some picnic tables and and a little lean-to, so we're gonna pick that date. Should the weather 
be what it's been for the last month. You know, we might have to choose a different day uh, and reschedule, but for all intents and purposes, that's what we're going with right now. July 23rd, there is a sign-up sheet out back. I know some folks have already signed up. And you don't have to sign up to go. It's really just so we have an idea of how many, uh, and we also know uh, when the time comes to go, not to leave people behind or anything like that. So it just gives us an idea of the interest. And we have a good turnout. And I'm not saying we're going to do the same exact thing several times a year, but maybe we'll do it at least again next year, or maybe we'll go again later this, this year. We'll see. But it uh, should be a good time. It should be a lot of fun. Family camp, September 13th through 16th. I'm not going to talk a lot about it. I know I do that. I'm not planning to talk a lot about it. Actually, I'm not going to because you just never know. But uh, that is a Wednesday night, starts Wednesday. Uh, set up is, I think, 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Going to have supper and then an evening service. So, and then it goes through Saturday morning where we have breakfast. Uh, I don't remember if we have preaching. Maybe a little bit of preaching, but it's not as much as the other services. And then it's tear down the big tent and everything. So, I would encourage you to go, pray about going, try to commit to going. You can camp there if you want to. So if you got a camp or a tent, you can stay. It's late in the year, it can be cool in the evenings, but you know, if you're like me, we, I, a couple times the kids and I tried to sleep there in a tent, and I'm thinking, we're gonna freeze tonight. We got into the tent, and within a half an hour, I'm like, get this sleeping bag off of me. I'm dying in here. So I was on a cot, and it's like I needed to be touching the steel parts of the frame <laughs> just to feel like I wasn't going to cook. You know? I mean, it, was, it was like an oven and then the kids were, the kids were pretty miserable. So anyways, we don't even try anymore. <laughs> just, so, But you can camp. There's all kinds of places to set up a tent. There are some hookups for campers. Um, and it's just a great, great time. Thir thir Thursday, Friday are full days. Breakfast, lunch, dinner couple of services, uh, one of the days we have a Bible study, one of the days we have big family stuff, there's a softball game last year, and there is a cost associated with it. I, I registered, I just registered, but I don't remember how much it is for each age group. I know for adults, and I can't remember where they start the adult age, but it's $35 a person. So, sounds like a lot. Here's what I'd say, if you want to go and you can't afford it, don't be bashful, don't be shy, we'll figure out how to help you get there, okay? Because I think if you want, not I think, I know if you want to be there and you commit to being there, it'll be a help to you. If you can go with an open heart and open mind and learn under the preaching. Why is it so expensive? Well, dinner Wednesday night, three meals Thursday, three meals Friday, breakfast Saturday. You know how much it costs to go out to eat one time yeah. for a person? 35 bucks is like you probably can't even eat at McDonald's twice <laughs> for 35 bucks. So I say that to, I know at, at first it's like, whoa, sticker shop. But then when you really think about it, just the food alone is expensive to feed that many people. Last year there was, I think, 150 people. Is that what they're feeding? Around 100 people. So, uh, you know, feed 100 people, all those meals, that's a lot. And uh, then you got a guest speaker being brought up. There, I mean, it's just a lot, and a lot to do, a lot going on. There's downtime. They got a little snack shack. You can get coffees and sweets and things. Swimming. 
No, they don't have swimming. Oh, no camp. No, no, not at this. No, oh, at the Christian campground they're swimming, but at the family camp, which is in Liberty, oh, so I should probably clarify that they don't have swimming. They, but they have the field there. They got the building there. They put kids play a little basketball or knockout in the field. So, uh, baseball, right? Yeah. So, there's a lot to do, and it's a lot of fun, and you can you can be challenged and helped. And I can say our family's been, I think we've been every single year since it started, and we've been helped every single year. And we've watched it grow exponentially. I mean, the first year we had a tent, a guest preacher. Actually, no, us main pastors did all the preaching the first year. So we had a tent. We all preached, took a service, and it was one less day. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. And that was about it. We did some games and stuff, but that was about it. Now there's a tent. There's a little... Uh, wooden pavilion, there's, uh, you know, more meals, there's an extra day, there's more to do, guest speaker, I mean, it's just a snack shack, like, there's just a lot more, it's really grown, and it's continuing to grow, and usually there's anywhere between six and eight churches represented there, and folks go, you get a chance to meet some other Christians, fellowship with some other Christians, it's just a good time, so I encourage you, if you can, try to be there, and I told you I wasn't going to talk much about it, so that's not much, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we'll move on from there. Registration's open. Familycamp.me is the website. Familycamp.me. Uh, and then, one more thing, we have a, a family that's wanting to join the church, wants to be a part of the church body, the church family, and I've met with them, talked with uh, talked with, well, I'll just say Troy and Jeannie Fritch. I spoke with their pastor about a week and a half ago, and I had to really work at him to get anything nice to get him to say something nice. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm really. He didn't have anything bad to say, nothing negative to say. He said they've always been faithful, been involved in the church ministry. You know, they said, he said, every time the doors are open, if they're not stuck at work where they have to miss, and they used to be truck drivers. They're there, which the jobs they have now probably are going to accommodate them being here all the time. So just always here, always faithful, served in the church, involved in the, every ministry they could be, and just, you know, God's used them. They've been a faithful part. And uh, we got together with them this week, heard both of their salvation testimonies, just a blessing. Uh, and then they both been biblically baptized. So for all intents and purposes, there's no reason why I can come up with to say, they shouldn't be a part of Bible Baptist Church. So if you guys would be willing just to come up for a second, I won't, I won't keep you long and try to embarrass you. I won't try. I promise I won't. But, uh, I do a good job, enough job by myself. <laughs> well, I do too. So you, if you haven't gotten to know Troy and Jeannie, they have been coming for, for quite a while now, maybe a couple months. And uh, they've been here every service, and they've just been faithful. And, you know, they've expressed few weeks ago they wanted to be a part and you know they've been a real blessing to us if you haven't gotten to know them get to know them because they're a blessing mm -hmm. and it's very evident they love the Lord and it's very evident that they're growing and have grown to love our church too which we want people to be a part of our church who love our church uh, and that's a blessing and and if you haven't grow to love them back because uh, they're a blessing so um, so I recommend them for membership uh, I guess we can do the formality if you want to 
If you'd like to encourage or be a part of voting them in as members, raise your right hand. And if you and if you don't, I don't care. So we'll praise God for two new members. I'm gonna go ahead and pray. And then uh, I'll let you guys sit down. But let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this family, Troy and Jeannie Fritz. Thank you for their salvation. Thank you for their love for you and their sincere desire to live for you, to walk with you, and to be a part of a local body where they can serve you and, and just be a blessing and a part of what it is you've called us to do as Christians. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless them and help them to grow here at Bible Baptist Church. I pray that you'd bless our church and that, mm -hmm. and they, that they would be a, a fundamental part of just helping us accomplish your will and fulfill the Great Commission. Lord, I just pray that you'd knit our hearts even closer together than you have already. Mm -hmm. And Father, we love you and we thank you for the blessing. Thank you for fulfilling your promise to build the church. And Lord, we just appreciate so much you uh, being faithful and you blessing us with this family. Lord, help us not to take them or each other for granted. You and in loving you, help us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we love you. We thank you and praise you for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, Brother Troy. Pleasure to have you both. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, praise the Lord. The Lord is growing His church. Amen. All right. Well, ushers, come on down. Caleb, can you pray for the offering, brother? Yes, sir. God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. I thank you for our new members that you bless us with, Lord. Uh, thank you for the blessings you give us every day, Lord. Please uh, bless the service, Lord. Please bless the offering, Lord. And please bless our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Turn your hymn books to 287, please, thank you. 287, I Surrender All. 
confess, I was real nervous. Yesterday we were practicing that song, we got to that second verse when it says, His crown of thorns made me royalty. And I, the kids were singing by themselves. I could not keep it together. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I know what's wrong with me, but praise God that His crown of thorns made us royalty. What, what, what a Savior we have. What a Savior we serve. All right, Ephesians 5 is where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter number 5. And is it getting warm in here for everybody else yet? It's getting toasty for me. So, so we installed the AC this week. kidding yeah all right Ephesians chapter number 5 verses 25 to 27 let's go ahead and stand together one more time we'll read these few verses and then we'll pray and be seated it says husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we are going to learn today. Thank you for what it is that you want to accomplish in our lives, and I pray we'd be sensitive to your spirit, to the spirit, sensitive to your word, that you might accomplish your will in each and every one of us. And Father, I pray this morning that you'd prepare our hearts even now for what it is you want to do in each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray that you'd work. I pray you'll accomplish your will. And Lord, I pray we'd be obedient to you. Father, we love you. We ask these things and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, <clears throat> we've been working through the book of Ephesians. A few weeks ago, it was actually the, the Sunday before vacation, I had this message I had spent a couple weeks on. The section above where we're at today, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And I was going to preach down through this passage. And I was going to take one week and address the wives, the next week address the husbands, and then maybe the week after that deal with the church. Today we're going to deal with the church because while I was working on that, the Sunday before vacation, I leaned forward and hit something on the keyboard and it was gone. Gone. So maybe the Lord knew that if I preached on wives submit to your husbands and then left, it wasn't going to be pretty. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he knew I needed to deal with both back to back. And if I was gone for a week, I was going to be in trouble. I don't know. But anyways, so this week we're going to deal with the church, Christ's love for the church, and our responsibility as a result of that. And the week's coming... And I'm not telling you this so that everybody stays home if you don't want to hear it, but in the weeks coming, we're going to address the home through this passage. 
And it's going to deal with a few different things. It will deal with the role of the wives. It'll deal with the role of the husbands. Uh, it'll deal with children. And uh, we're going to work through those things. We've been talking about it in Sunday school for the last few weeks. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Sunday school curriculum we've been using just so happens to be dealing with the home. We just wrapped up right before we go into dealing with the home in our Sunday morning messages. It seems to me God knows what we need. And he, he, uh, he orders things purposefully. And uh, anyways, I think we'll deal with some things. I'm going to be honest. I love preaching on the home. My least favorite part about preaching on the home is talking to the ladies about the wives' role. Uh, just, I don't know why. I always think there are going to be stones flying at me or something. Uh, there never has been. No one has ever been mad. And I don't, and I, believe me, I don't preach it because it brings me joy to say, wives, you need to do this. In fact, it scares me a little bit, if I'm honest. <laughs> if I'm completely honest. But what I preach and what I tell you, wives, husbands, kids, I'm just going to give you what the Bible says. That's all I can do. I'm not exactly the whole council. I don't preach what I preach because I want to affect some change in somebody's life. We're working through the book of Ephesians. It just so happens it deals with the home and it relates. I said this in Sunday school. We're not even preaching on the home yet today, but just, I don't know why. God is really dealing with this home stuff in my heart this morning. Uh, if the wives fulfill their role and the husbands fulfill their role, it's a beautiful picture of the church and its relationship with Jesus Christ. And Satan is actively attacking the home and the church institution aggressively, and he has been since the foundation of the world. God put Adam in, e uh, Adam in the lead, and who did Satan go and tempt? Eve. And then who got who to then go and sin? And I'm not saying that to pick on the wives. I'm saying that to say Satan, in his subtlety and in his manipulation, he could have gone to Adam, but he didn't. He wanted right from the beginning to turn God's plan upside down on its head. So he chose the path that he took to cause man to sin. Uh, so Satan has been at it since the beginning. And you know, here's a big reason why. I believe. Obviously, if he can destroy the home, he messes up kids' lives, he messes up parents' lives, he messes, makes a mess. He even affects the church if they're Christian families. But can I also say this? If he can cause a home not to function the way that God intended it to, our relationship with our spouses and our relationship with our children greatly has spiritual application and helps us to understand our relationship to our Savior. And the church and, and uh, its relationship to our Savior, and then the husband and wife's relationship, if one's messed up, chances are we don't understand the other one. Uh, it, it all has a picture in itself to help us understand God's plan, to help us understand what God has done. And if they get mixed up and messed up, then we have problems. Up here, ultimately down here. It's going to affect us. And... That's why it's so important that we grasp these truths. I strongly believe that a father fulfilling his role with his children goes a long ways 
towards a child understanding their relationship with their Savior when they're an adult. And if dad never gets his child's heart, chances are the Savior will never have their heart when they're an adult. And they will struggle to live for Christ their whole life, if they ever even get saved to begin with. It'll be a problem. So why did God make it so that the father or the husband is the spiritual leader of the home? Because he wants us to understand that he's our spiritual leader when we're grown. And if we get that messed up, it, it affects us the rest of our lives. It'll hurt us the rest of our lives. So anyways, forgive me. Well, you'll hear more about that in the weeks ahead. But it has just, boys, this morning it has been heavy on my heart since Sunday school. And we started talking about the home in Sunday school. But I'll be honest, I've been studying this passage now for weeks. I've been in this passage in my personal studies, preparing for Sunday for weeks. And God just, and one more thing. I love preaching on the home. At the same time, I don't love preaching on the home. I don't love it because it beats me up too. But I love it because I'm helped through that. Uh, It hurts sometimes to preach on the home because when I'm preparing the message and I'm preaching it, God's, you know, you see that in your life, you see that in your life, you see that, you see that, you need to work on these things. And I'm going, man, if I'm this beat up, I'm sure other people can be beat up too. So then I know I'm beating people up. But believe me, I'm beating myself up at the same time. Uh, And the blessing of that is, I should say I love it and I love it. Because I do like getting beat up by the Word of God. It hurts at first, but I'm thankful for it. Because it's a testimony to the fact God's not done with me yet. Because He's still showing me things i got to work on. He's still molding and making me and, and working on me, and I'm thankful for that. Boy, it would be a bad day if I ever stopped being convicted by the Word of God. That means God's not working on me anymore. Uh, and if you're not being convicted by the Word of God, then probably need to listen a little more intently. Work at getting more out of it. All right. We better get to the message that I've actually got prepared because it'll be time to eat and we won't even have started. So we're going to talk about the church. Specifically, Christ's love for the church. And because he loved the church, what does that mean for you and I as Christians? What does that tell us? So uh, I want to tell you just first and foremost, I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for every single person who walks through the doors at our church. And I know I've shared this before, but from the moment you walk in the doors, even before I learn your name, but as soon as I lay eyes on you, I, don't, I can't explain it. As a pastor, I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know. But it's like God just puts a love in my heart for you. And I can't even explain it. And uh, I start praying for you. I, I try to get everyone's name the first time you come. But if, if I don't, I might not know your name, but I, when I'm praying, I ask the Lord to work in your life and to bring you back. And, and, I, and if I do know your name, it's possible I will forget it. I still pray for you. And I work at learning it again the next week. (laughs) So just to be honest, I really try to remember names. And part of the reason I do that is so I can pray for you by name from the first time you come to the church. Uh, So I just want you to know that I am thankful for you. I love you. My family loves you. And just it means a lot to us that you're here. I don't take you for granted, and I don't want you to think I take you for granted. So all right. 
We started Bible Baptist Church 15 years ago this November in our living room. So our very first service, Bruce and Marlene was there, my parents were there, my kids were all there, though they look different than they do now. I guess we all look different than we do now. Uh, so we got the church started in our, in our home and uh, about a year and a half later started running the community center. And a few years after that, God allowed us to purchase this property. And I'm not gonna give you all the details. I'm just gonna say that through that time, there have been ups and downs. At times, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, sometimes, you know, we're up on high with our arms up in the air going, woo, and sometimes we're down at the bottom, think, or headed down into the pit thinking we're about to die, or going through those things, whatever they are, you know, those twirly tunnels or whatever, and, and we just don't know if we're going to make it. But God is faithful, and he's always been faithful. And God tells us in verse number 25, uh, 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Next week, my plan is to preach on the wives, but I don't know. Maybe after this week, God will lead me to preach to the husbands first because they're going to go hand in hand. So I got this remote here. So we're going to talk about why we should love the church. At the same time, we're going to talk about Christ's love for the church. So why should I love my church? First, because Christ does. That verse 25 we just read. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So if Christ loved the church and my responsibility is to strive to be like Christ, then one of the things I ought to do is love my church. Now, understand this passage is also, we've talked about this, dealing with husbands and wives. But if we want to know ultimately, remember what I said earlier about the home, picturing the relationship with Christ? Well, Christ is dealing with the church here, dealing with the marriage here. And in verse 32 of the passage, he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's clearly talking about the home. But at the end of that thing, he says, just so everybody knows, the mystery, I'm talking about the church. So the two picture one another. It's extremely important we understand that uh, as time goes on. So what I want us to focus on from this passage this morning is Christ's love for the church. So we're going to talk about why we should love the church, but first, how do we know that Christ loves the church? How do we know? Well, Clearly, the very first reason we know is he told us. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. So if we ever question, does Christ love the church? Well, he told us he did. Well, people tell me stuff all the time, and they lie. Does God lie? No. When Brother Elliot used to have the booth at the fairs, there was a sign. We might even have it here. It said, what are three things that God cannot do? You know what one of them was? lie. Titus 1-2? Yep. God cannot lie. It is impossible. Why? Because if he lies, then he's not holy. He's not righteous. He's not perfect. And if he's not holy, righteous, and perfect, then is he really God? So God cannot lie. It's impossible. The second way we know is he showed us. Turn in your Bibles. Don't lose your place in Ephesians, but turn in your Bibles over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter number 5. 
and verse number 8. Probably you can quote it, but if you can't, I had to turn there. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. So not only does he tell us that he loves the church, he showed us when he died for it. According to Romans 5, 8, he actually showed us when he died for it, gave himself for it, according to our verse here in Ephesians 5, 25. Husband loves your, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That was part of the example, that was part of his demonstration of his love for the church was that he gave himself for it when he went to Calvary and he died on the cross. He sacrificed himself for the church. So should we not at, at times be willing to sacrifice our wants for the good of our church body? Christ sacrificed himself let me ask you this. Did Christ want to die? He didn't. Remember, remember the prayer he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? What he was praying? Father, if it be possible for this cup to pass from me, nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. According to Hebrews, he was afraid. He feared what was coming. How could he do that? He's, he's God. Yep, he's also 100% man. How does that work? Well, the best explanation I can give you is faith. <laughs> I don't know how it works. He's God. He did it. I can't really explain it outside of showing you verses as to, as to the, the fact that it's true. So we just believe it by faith. Just like people believe that there was an explosion, and from that explosion, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, and life appeared. Can we replicate it? Has it ever been replicated? Every bomb the military has ever tested, ever dropped, every stick of dynamite, construction crews have ever set, ever set off, every explosion that has ever taken place, has anything ever been born out of it? Has anything ever been made by it? Has anything ever been formed by it? A hole, <laughs> death, destruction. That's what's been formed by every other explosion ever to take place, and yet people believe that an explosion created everything that we see. And they, th they say, we're imbeciles. And they say that we have a blind faith. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, anyways. So why did he sacrifice himself for the church? Well, first and foremost, I didn't put this in the slides, but because he loves it. That's why he did. Because he loves it. Secondly, Verse 26, it says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. He has a desire for the church. Now, when I say the church, yes, I'm speaking of the institution of the church. But I'm also talking about the components, the lively stones that are used to make up the church. You know what the lively stones are? Us. We are the building blocks of the church. It's laid upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. The Bible says Christ is the chief cornerstone, and then uh, his apostles and prophets make up the rest of the foundation. What I personally believe that is, is it's referring to the word of God. Because who did God pen, use to pen the word of God? The apostles and prophets. So that's, that's what I believe. And this, the word of God records everything we know about the apostles and prophets. So... Uh, 
So we are built upon Christ and his word. Man, I don't know why. I, maybe I should get a beagle and take up rabbit hunting. Because I, lately I just feel like all these rabbits keep running through my head. and I just So we've got to keep moving. So he cleanses and washes us with his word. Or else we're never going to get through this. So understand we're saved through faith in Christ. However, we are transformed as the Holy Spirit applies God's word to our lives. So, the, I mean, don't get me wrong. The moment we are saved, we are changed into a new creature. We're a new creature in Jesus Christ. But as we grow and mature, the Holy Spirit which indwells us applies the Scripture, the Word of God, to our lives to continue transforming us and making us into what He wants us to be. Now, that's one of the reasons why it's important to be in church. Because the pastor or Sunday school teacher or guest preacher or preacher in training or whoever it might be, man in the church that's teaching or preaching, is doing their very best to expound upon the Word of God to help us understand it so the Holy Spirit can apply it to our lives. It's also important for us outside of church to spend time in God's Word and try to study it. Now, there's two things we can do. We can read the Bible, or we can study the Bible. I've read through the Bible in a year. I've read through the Bible. I have, I have pastors that I know. I don't know about any close friends, but I know pastors. They'll read through the Bible four or five times in a year. Every year, four or five times. I'll be honest, even reading through it in a year, I don't get a lot out of that. I mean, it's... Maybe it's because I'm too spiritually shallow. I don't know. But I just don't get a lot from reading it through in a year. Part of the reason, I think, is because the Bible is not written, or it's not, rec- it's not laid out in chronological order. So if you read from Genesis to Revelation, you're jumping all over the place, especially in the Old Testament, through history. And it's really hard for us to follow and really know what's going on when you're reading about uh, David... And then you're reading something else that happened well before or well after David. And, you, and our minds, as uh, you know, Americans, our minds work in a linear way. So for us, it is really hard for us to wrap our brains around the fact that we're not in the t- same time frame. And you go from you know, one book to the next, and you don't even realize you're, you're, you're not picking up where you left off. You're going back to you know, the beginning again or somewhere in the middle and... It gets confusing. My personal, this is where I'm at, yes, we can read God's Word devotionally and just read a section of Scripture and see what God might impress upon our heart, but I'm actually getting more and more to the point where even that puts a lot on me to try to read something into the passage that I'm reading and try to get a feeling out of it, when if we just read something and we study it, compare scripture with scripture, run some cross-references. I find for me personally, God gives me so much more that way. And the light bulbs come on, and I don't know. Maybe you read a smaller section of scripture, and instead of just reading it, looking for a feeling, study it and see what God might teach you about himself. And when he teaches us something, then it gives us that, oh man, what a God instead of 
Wow, I'm pretty smart. I got that out of that passage, you know. No, what a God. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to read his word and it point us to him. Not read his word and it make us feel good about ourselves. But that's what our culture, Christian culture, really wants, is to treat the Bible like a self-help book instead of treating it like a revelation of our God book so we can know him. All right, understand we're... Yeah, we already said that, didn't we? As his church, we should strive to be what Christ wants us to be. As a body, and the body's made up of individuals. So each of us. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Maybe you need to clean your path up a little bit. Maybe you need to clean your life up a little bit. Maybe there's some things there that you know shouldn't be, that you know you need to work on. And in needing to address those things, you might ask the question, how am I going to fix this in my life? Well, the Word of God gives us all the tools. So we got to be in it, and as God deals with our lives about something, we need to take heed to it and make that change in our life so that we can be more biblical, so we can be more godly. Verse 27 Christ's desire for the church is that we will be presented back to him by himself as a glorious church. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. He wants the church to be without spots or wrinkles. Glorious means illustrious, noble, excellent, renowned, celebrated. He wants the church to be something to celebrate, worthy of celebration. Maybe as individuals we can't always, we don't always qualify or are not always worthy of celebration. I remember a time when my kids were little and when I would leave for work, they were sad to see me go. And when I would come home, they were thrilled and excited to see me come home. Eventually they got used to it and it was like, They'd get up after I left, and it was like, oh, where's Dad? Oh, he's already at work? Okay. And then I'd come home, and it was like they're off doing their own thing, and I'm like, I'm home. Hello. <laughs> you know? But it was just, just the normal progression of things, you know? Uh, well, it should never be that way when it comes to our Savior. We should never get complacent and not be thrilled to meet with him and spend time with him. So he desires the church to be without spot or wrinkle, and without flaws. Does that mean that we're ever going to be perfect? No. But we can strive for as close to perfection as possible. And we do that through following the scriptures, which is the plan and the map that Christ has given us to know how to live our lives in order to honor and glorify him. Why would we do all that? Because Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. Second reason we should love the church outside of the fact that Christ loves the church, we find in 1 Thessalonians 4.9. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians 4.9 with me. First Thessalonians chapter 4. This is a letter to the church at Thessalonica written 
penned by the Apostle Paul, authored, of course, by none other than the Lord himself. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 says, But as touching brotherly love, what is the church made up of? Brethren. Who is this letter penned to? The church at Thessalonica. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. You know who teaches us to love one another? God. How does he do that? Through the Spirit of God. So if we're having trouble loving the brethren, it just may be that we're not walking in the Spirit. That we're not living in the Spirit. Because according to the Word of God, nobody even has to tell us or teach us. The Spirit of God does that in us. So if we're living in the flesh and we're being carnal, we're going to have a hard time loving the brethren. But if we're walking in the Spirit and living our life in the Spirit, it'll be a whole lot easier. Paul says that in regards to brotherly love, they don't need anyone to... He doesn't need to write to them. He doesn't need to teach them because they're directly taught of God to love one another. I got ahead of things here. We already talked about who's addressed to. Why wouldn't they love their church? Why wouldn't we love our church? If we're a part of it, we understand the church is the body of Christ, right? We talked about that a lot in the first couple chapters of the book of Ephesians. We talked about it in Colossians. Both of those books define the church as the body of Christ and the body of Christ as the church. If we love Christ, how can we not love the body? His body. If we love Christ, how can we not love our brethren? How do we know when someone loves their church? That they're joined to? Well, how, did we, how do we know that Christ loves the church? He gave himself for it, right. What else? The first thing we talked about before that was he told us, right? So we shouldn't be ashamed to say it. We should be willing and comfortable saying, I love my church. Christ didn't hesitate to say he loved his church. And then the second reason is we demonstrate it, like Christ did when he gave himself for it. So we show it. Very important that we are part of a local body of believers. It's part of fulfilling our place as Christians in this current age. Is there an invisible body? Sure. Every saved person in the world is a part of the body of Christ. But we all fulfill our role as Christians by being a part of a local body. Because as a giant invisible body, it's hard for us to accomplish anything together, isn't it? I mean... A little bit, maybe. There's a church over in China that, sure, I could send a check to every month. But outside of that, how is that church in China and I going to fulfill the Great Commission together? But here as a local body, we can. Understand, this is not the primary purpose of a church. But part of the purpose of a church is fellowship. We need each other part of it. We've talked about it in the book of Ephesians, how every joint supplieth, when it was talking about the body, how the marrow and the, the ligaments, and we talked about how every joint connects the other parts of the body, and they supply what the body needs. We need each other. We cannot function and accomplish anything for our Lord as a body if we are not together, if we don't join ourselves to one another. 
Consider how often unity and single-mindedness is addressed to the local churches in the epistles of God's Word. Philippians 2.2 2 says, Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. So, like-mindedness. Turn over to Galatians 3.28. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Unity, we are all one. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same spirit. Why does God not want there to be divisions? Well, if there's a division here at my elbow and I don't have this part of my arm, it's a lot harder for me to work with tools and build stuff or do anything. If I'm missing one of my legs at the knee, I understand people function and live great lives that way. So I'm not saying you can't. But as a church body, the Lord doesn't want us to serve him as a handicapped body. That's that's one of the reasons why he's given us the, path, uh, the church epistles. So we understand what a church is supposed to be. We understand what church doctrine is. We understand how he wants us to function, what he wants us to do. One of the reasons we have the letters to the seven churches in Revelation is so we understand some things. Because he wants the church to be a complete body and to function as such. Ephesians chapter number 4, if you turn over here. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It's very clear the Lord wants there to be unity in the body. And we don't need to keep going on that. I don't know that we even need to go over it, but I think we, we know there needs to be unity. Thirdly, thirdly, because God notices when we love the church, we flip over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 6. Verse number 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. The Lord notices when we love the brethren and we minister to one another. God does not forget the work and labor of love that you do in his name. He notices. Now, should that be our, our primary motivation, is that God would see it and maybe give us some kind of blessing? No. Our primary motivation is that the Lord loves the church, and he gave himself for it. But that doesn't change the fact that you and I ought to love the church 
And I believe we're going to have joy in loving one another. Why? Well, God's going to notice us and he, notice it, and He's going to provide blessing. What's one of the? Who are some of the easiest people to love? The ones that love you. It's really easy to love somebody who loves you back, isn't it? It's really hard to love someone who doesn't love you. That's difficult. Well, one of the blessings of loving your brothers and sisters in Christ is that they should, if they're biblical, love you back. So this work and labor of love is demonstrated through ministering to the saints, through helping one another. It can be as simple as praying for one another. Can you truly say you love someone if you don't pray for them? Certainly aren't demonstrating it if you don't pray for them. So we need to pray for one another. We minister. Minister means to attend and serve. God calls us to attend and serve the brethren. You know, it might sound like a lot to... There we go. It might seem like a lot to feel like we've got a minister, but, you know, we minister to other people. Most likely, someone will minister to you at times. And it may not be in the exact same way, but it'll be the way you need it. Because God is faithful and He provides. Look with me over in the book of Acts, chapter number 2. Acts, chapter number 2. Beginning in verse number 42. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Brother Troy, do you mind if I share a small part of your testimony? Okay. Brother Troy was sharing with me his testimony the other day. And this is, this is the importance of a church. He was sharing with me some of the family members that had either passed away or that didn't want anything to do with him because of his new faith. But he said with those losses, when he got saved and became a part of a church, he said he gained so much more through the church body that he became a part of. And there's a lot of truth in that. You know, we don't want to lose people that we love and that are a part of our lives. But when you're a part of a body, people don't understand unless they have it that a church family is so special. It is so special, and there is so much... I hate to use the word value, because I don't want to... It's not a price tag, so to speak, but there is so much value in having a church family. One that you love and one that loves you back. There is such encouragement and help through that body uh, I can't even words don't come to mind that can that I can really express how precious our church family is 
Fourthly, it demonstrates a love for God. If we truly love God, I know I said this earlier, we got to love the church. Look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter number 4. The very end of the chapter. Yep. Verse 20. We'll read down through chapter 5, verse 1, and then we'll, we'll talk a little more thoroughly about him. It says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And his commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So, if someone says they love God, but they hate their brother, they're lying. We cannot love God, who we've never seen, and hate our brother, who we have seen and do see. It doesn't make sense. We might not like everything about our brother. There may be things that they do or don't do that we find aggravating and irritating. We may even recognize some things in their life that are deficiencies spiritually. But understand when we're looking at them saying, well, they don't do this like they're supposed to, they don't do that like they're supposed to. They could be doing the same thing about us because not one of us is perfect even though we'd like to put ourselves on a pedestal and think we are and put ourselves on a, on a pedestal and look down on people and pick apart their lives, we'll understand as sure as we're doing that, maybe in our heads, they might be doing the same exact thing about us. Well, what do you mean? There's nothing they could pick apart about my life. <laughs> yes, there is. There are plenty of things that they could pick apart. So just be careful is all I'm saying. Verse 21 said, and this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. It's a command. Whoop, I went ahead. There it is. It's a command from God. We already talked about that out of 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. But here we see it again in 1 John, that we love the brethren. Now understand, this may not be necessarily speaking just to the church. 1 John's not written to a local church per se. So it can be talking about all brethren. But certainly, if it applies to us loving the church people down at Churchill Baptist and South Liberty Baptist and Cornerstone Baptist, if it means we're to love those brethren, certainly it means just as much, if not more, we love the brethren that we are tied to here in this local body. So it's a commandment from God. We need to love our brethren if we love him. Now we'll go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. Just back, back a book. Verses 5 through 7. It says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. It's part of growing spiritually that we would not only love the brethren, but that we would serve them. It's part of spiritual growth. If we don't 
If we're not growing spiritually, then we're never going to want to do anything for anyone but ourselves. But if we're growing spiritually, there should be a desire to be a blessing to others. Verse 1 in our passage, back in 1 John, chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. So every person who is a born-again believer ought to love Christ. And if we love the one who saved us, we ought to love the ones who he saved. Our brethren. Not always easy, because sometimes our brethren hurt us. You know, it's not always easy, because sometimes the pastor might hurt you, or the pastor's wife, or the pastor's kid, or the pastor's friend, or the pastor's dog. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Some way, shape, or form, the pastor's probably going to hurt you. It's just going to happen. And I say the pastor in the third person as though it's not me, but it's me. (laughs) It's very possible I won't be there for you at some point when you need me to be there for you. Or I'll say something that offends you. And maybe it's a good thing because it needs to offend you. Maybe it's a bad thing because I made a mistake or I forgot to shake your hand or say hi or whatever it might be. You know, that's something small, but sometimes people really get offended by that stuff. Maybe it's something big. I don't know. But the reality is it's possible. It's not possible. It's going to happen. I'll probably hurt your feelings or hurt you. And believe me when I say this, it's never intentional. And I, and I want to say this too. I am only human. I'm just a man. And I don't ever want to hurt anybody, but I know I do it sometimes. And I'm sorry if I've offended you or hurt you or if my wife has or my kids have. It can be hard to love people sometimes because they hurt us. That creeps into the home. Sometimes it's hard for us to love our spouse because they hurt us. They hurt our feelings or they've upset us. Most people would not admit it can be hard to love your kids sometimes because they hurt you or they make you mad. They do something that you don't like. And it's not that you stop loving them. You don't. But maybe you don't like them for a couple of minutes until you get over it. Because you're mad at them. I've never not liked you or loved you, just to be clear. (laughs) Or you, Caleb. I don't know where Elizabeth is, maybe in the nursery. But Sometimes it's hard to, to love people like we know we're supposed to. But we need to. You know what the Bible says? But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were his enemy, he died for us. When we deserved hell, when we deserved to be wiped off the face of this earth, I don't know why sometimes, God didn't just destroy mankind and start over. I I don't understand why God has been so gracious and merciful to us outside of the fact that he tells us in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's because he loves us. That's why. And I have a hard time grasping that. 
And if Christ loved you and I like that, we ought to love each other. We ought to have a deep spiritual love for the brethren. Because our God loved us so much that he died for us. What a sacrifice he paid. And are we not willing to sacrifice in some way, shape, or form because of our love for each other? All right, remember Christ's example? I just quoted it a moment ago a couple times. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, I can't love them because they hurt me, or they're this, or they're that. Love them doesn't mean you've got to be their best friend and spend all your free time with them. It's not what loving them means. It doesn't mean you've got to be best friends with everybody, but we do need to love them. How do we love them? Well, Christ gave us the example. Through sacrifice, through being there for them, through compassion. All right, you remember where we started in Ephesians 5? Let's jump back there, and we're going to wrap up here. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 27. Troy, I can tell we're going to be a pair. Well, I was talking there a moment ago, and I see the tears start forming in your eyes, and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I better look away, because I'm... (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I know we've had that discussion, but I can just see. We're going (laughs) to probably get each other going sometimes. All right, Ephesians 5, verse 27 is where we started. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You know, if we can remain right with one another, it is going to help us remain right with him. But if we are in offense with one another, if we are not right with one another, it's going to affect our relationship with our Savior. So how does he present it without spot or wrinkle or any such thing? Well, he gave us each other to help each other, to encourage each other. I am charged up to spiritually start Monday on the right foot after I spent Sunday with all of you. Around the Word of God, around our Savior, around one another, just loving each other and encouraging one another. Same thing Wednesday night. I'm encouraged and I'm charged up. But I will tell you, Friday, Saturday sometimes, not always in the best mood. I shouldn't say that. But it's harder as the week goes on. When we get together, there's a reason why in the book of Acts they met every day. And I'm not saying we're going to start doing that, but I'm just saying. It's because it helped them spiritually to be with their brothers and sisters in Christ, to have some preaching from the Word of God, to have the focus on our Savior. We should be that for our families. Dads, as the spiritual leaders, husbands, we should be that for our families. So it ended with telling us the result of Christ's love for the church and the fruit of his sacrifice for it. What a blessing that we have a God who loves us as individuals and who loves us as a church. And I just want this morning, I don't believe there's anybody here that doesn't love our church. Okay, so I'm not, this message, it's, we're in Ephesians 5, and it's just, I am not preaching about loving our church because I think we have a problem with that. 
But I will say, I don't want us to either. And sometimes we just need reminders. And there's a reason why God put it in there. Whether or not the church at Ephesus was having trouble loving one another, I don't know. I think the church at Corinth was. So it does happen. Churches are split sometimes. Why? Well, because people become enemies with one another and they just can't get along. So it splits down the middle or a third of the chunk breaks off or whatever happens and they, they divide. I don't want that ever to happen here. And I, I don't want to be so prideful as to think, well, we just got something that nobody else has and nothing like that will ever happen here. No, I don't believe it will. I don't want it to for sure, but I do know it can. And if we don't have these reminders every once in a while about the importance of loving one another, of loving our church, the fact that Christ loved the church, we need it. I, I was buying, no, I was selling something one day, and I gave the guy a gospel track, and he says, oh, I'm a born-again Christian. And I said, you are? Praise the Lord. And he says, yeah, I got saved when I was a kid at a youth camp, and I mean, he, was in the, he had been in the military, and pretty rough-looking guy. He looked like he might have been in a biker gang or something. Maybe it was Bikers for Christ. I don't know. But anyways, that's kind of the look. And he says, but I don't go to church. Or no, I think I invited him. I said, you should come out to the church sometime and visit us. And he goes, oh, no, I don't go to church. And I said, well, you could. And he goes, nah, church is just full of a bunch of hypocrites. And I said, well... You know what the Bible says? That Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. Uh, he's talking about the body, the, the church at Ephesus that was assembling. And I said, sure, the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites, but so is Walmart and so is Home Depot or so is Hannaford. Wherever you go, there are a bunch of hypocrites. It doesn't stop you from going there. So are your coworkers. So is your family. You move out of the house and live in the barn by yourself? No. You live in the house with your family. We're all a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, you live with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Hypocrite? No. <laughs> right. So, it's important. Church is important. The body is important. And when we get together and we plug in and join ourselves together, we are helped. We are strengthened. We are equipped with things you can't get anywhere else. And we have things in our church that are just such a blessing. We need them. We need them. We need each other. So, praise God he loved the church and gave himself for it. Because what a blessing the church is to us. It is to me. So, let's go ahead and pray. We'll have a few moments of invitation and we'll dismiss. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth and the blessings that we see in the pages of your word. And Thank you for this scripture. I know it is a it is a... Maybe it was a little bit different than what we thought we were going to have this morning, and it ended up being a little different than what I thought we were going to have this morning. But Lord, you know what we need, and you lead and guide, and I just pray that as we consider loving the church, loving our church family, loving this body, I pray that we wouldn't take for granted how much we need each other. I pray we wouldn't take advantage, or take for granted, rather, the blessing that it is to have a group of people that love each other so much. And Lord, I pray that we would love them all back. And we're not all exactly the same. That's by design. You didn't make us all the same. 
We don't all like all the same things. We don't all live our lives exactly the same way. But Lord, that doesn't change the fact we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all indwelt by the same God, washed by the same blood, part of the same body. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us to love one another the way you want us to love one another. And ultimately, as a church, we are stronger because of that bond. We are stronger because of our Savior and the love you've demonstrated to us. I pray we'd love each other the same way. Before we close the prayer, is there anyone here that would slip up their hand and say, Pastor, I can't say for sure that I'm saved. I know who Christ is. I believe He's God. I know I'm a sinner, and I know that He died for my sins. And I believe He rose the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. You know the significance of that is? Because He rose, I can die and be risen again too, in spite of my sins, because He took all the sins of this world, past, present, and future, on Himself, and won the victory over Him. He wants to give you victory too. He wants to save your soul. He wants to wash away your sins and make you clean. The only way you can do that is through you placing your faith and trust in Him. If you're here today and you'd say, I'd like to know for sure that I'm saved, I'd like to know my sins are forgiven and that I am right with God, would you just slip up your hand? How about Christians? Maybe you'd say, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but... Maybe you'd say, I need to love my church more. I know we haven't gotten into it too deep yet, but we're going to. Maybe God's starting to get us to think about the type of husband or wife or father or mother or child that we are. We know we're not perfect. I pray you know you're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect, and there's things I need to work on. And, and if he hasn't dealt with anything specifically, I'd ask you to start praying even today that over the next several weeks, the Lord would reveal some things to us in our own personal life. Husbands, don't be thinking, boy, I hope God shows my wife this thing she really needs to fix. And wives, don't be thinking... Boy, I pray God shows my husband all these problems he's got because I'm worn out of showing them to him. You know, Just don't, don't think that way. But focus on yourself. That's who you can really affect change in. You can't affect change in your spouse. But you can work through your own submission to God and his word. You can change yourself. And I'd encourage you starting now, Begin praying that God would reveal things to you in your life over the next several weeks that you need to work on, that you need to change, to be a better spouse, parent, child, ultimately a better Christian is what it will result in. All right, I'll just give folks a couple minutes to pray as the piano plays, and then I'll close us out in prayer.
Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for each person who is a part of this body. And Lord, I just thank you for blessing our church with the people that we have. Thank you for the love that we have for one another. 